Hello, everyone. What is up? Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct. Happy Wednesday, you guys, or whatever day you were listening to this on. I hope you are having a fantastic day, week. I hope you had a very safe 4th of July, whichever way you ended up celebrating, whether that was with other people or by yourself, or if you don't celebrate it at all, I hope you stayed safe. Now, as you guys can tell by the title of today's episode, today we are talking about the wickedly gruesome case of Zach Bowen and Addie Hall. Now, this case was actually requested by a Killer Instinct listener who said that they had just visited the house in New Orleans where this all took place. And once I started looking more into it, I could not believe what I was reading. So with that being said, let's jump right on into it today. Addie Hall, whose birth name is Adrian Hall, was born on January 15th, 1976. Now, Addie was described as a free-spirited yet feisty independent artist who initially lived in North Carolina. That's where she grew up. However, after wanting a new life for herself, she decided to move to New Orleans. Now, Addie, like I said, was an artist. She was a poet. She was a dancer. But her day-to-day job once moving to New Orleans was a bartender. She actually worked at a bar in the French Quarter of New Orleans called the Spotted Cat. Now, the French Quarter, if you are unfamiliar, is a neighborhood in New Orleans that's home to the famous Bourbon Street. So she was right smack dab in the middle of all the action. And when it came to relationships, Addie moved to New Orleans after getting out of a very toxic and abusive relationship. So when she moved to New Orleans, she was very hesitant and very skeptical to start anything new with anyone. It really wasn't something that she was interested in. And along with that, something that Addie was also dealing with was her mental health. Addie did struggle with her own mental health. She had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and she would often take her medication irregularly, which would cause her to have erratic outbursts at random times. There was really no telling when these outbursts would happen. They just would happen. However, something that was a consistent pattern with Addie is that she would get very aggressive when she would drink alcohol or do any drugs. Her friends did say that the drugs and the drinking did turn her into a different person. However, despite all of this, despite what Addie was trying to work on and trying to fix within herself, she was living in a city that she loved. She was living a very bohemian, free-spirited lifestyle, and she absolutely loved New Orleans. Now let's talk about Zach Bowen for a moment. Now Zach Bowen was born on May 15th, 1978 in Bakersfield, California and spent the majority of his childhood there. Now something that's interesting that people have noted about Zach from a very, very young age is they say that he has always been a people pleaser. He was always worried about letting people down. He never wanted to disappoint anyone and was very, very hard on himself whenever he would fail at something, which as we are all familiar with, failing is a part of life. No one ever likes it. No one ever wants to fail. However, it happens. But Zach was very, very hard on himself, more than the average person about these failures. He attended high school in Sacramento, California, and this is when it's said that Zach fell into a very depressive state and he wanted to get ahead of it. He wanted to fix that. So he decided that he was going to leave his high school in Sacramento, California, living with his mother, and he was going to move to New Orleans, Louisiana to live with his father. That is where his father lived. His parents were separated at this point, and he was going to go to high school there and basically just start a whole new life. 
When Zach was 18 years old, he graduated from high school and got a bartending job bartending on Bourbon Street. During this initial bartending job that he had is where he met a woman named Lana Shupak. And Lana and Zach immediately started dating. And soon after their relationship started, Lana discovered that she was in fact pregnant with Zach's child. Now, even though the idea of being a young father was slightly daunting on Zach, Zach really embraced this new title that he was about to have of being a dad. Zach and Lana actually ended up getting married and Zach went on to join the army. And while he was in the army, he served two tours, one in Kosovo and one in Iraq. And during his time in the army, he actually rose to the rank of sergeant. However, just like the countless others who have served, Zach would go on to develop severe PTSD. One incident in particular that severely haunted Zach for the rest of his life, he actually befriended a young boy who lived there. However, just days later, Zach discovered that that young boy was actually murdered because it was not allowed for him to have been friends with an American. Now, this incident in particular left Zach feeling an immense amount of survivor's guilt. And after several years of serving, Zach was generally discharged. Now, generally discharged is not the same as an honorable discharge. General discharge is referred to when someone's service was satisfactory. However, they were involved in situations where their performance was not enough to be honorably discharged. Now, Zach being a people pleaser, the general discharge title that he got felt very disappointing to him. And he felt like the trauma that he endured and all the experiences that he had were basically for nothing. But regardless, this discharge meant that he got to go home. And so that is exactly what he did. He packed his bags and moved back to New Orleans with his wife, Lana, and their child. Now, when Zach got back from New Orleans, his relationship with Lana deteriorated deteriorated completely. According to Lana, Zach returned from the army as a completely different person, and they eventually ended up getting a divorce. Now, this is not extremely uncommon in situations where people go off to serve for several years and they come back and they're not the same as the people that they were when they left. They have experienced things that no one here can understand. They have seen things that no one here can understand, and so they're processing it in a way that not a lot of people that haven't been in that situation can understand. We've seen that a lot just in life in general. However, for Lana, she decided that this wasn't going to work for them and their relationship and their marriage. So ultimately they had to get a divorce. Now, Zach did go back to his bartending job. He started bartending again at a bar called The Spotted Cat. And that is where he met his coworker, Addie Hall. Now, when Addie and Zach met, like I said earlier, Addie was really struggling with the idea of being in a relationship again. It was not something that she was interested in. However, she did like Zach. She liked Zach a lot. He was very intriguing to her. So whenever the two of them would talk, Addie had her walls up completely. However, she would tease him and flirt with him in a way that was more so playful, and teasing him. That's essentially what it was. And she was doing this to see how much Zach could take, if Zach could put up with her, if Zach could handle her. And Zach did. From the beginning, Addie wasn't really sure if Zach's intentions were pure and if they were good. And she figured that he was talking to all of these other girls. However, Zach was interested in Addie from day one, and she was the only girl that he was talking to. 
Now, Zach and Addie shared a very similar lifestyle. They both loved going out and partying, and they also bonded over drugs. Do you ever fantasize about who you'd be if you lived somewhere different? Maybe you'd surf if you lived by the beach. Or maybe if you lived in the city, you would live above a coffee shop and finally be able to write that novel you've always dreamed of. Or if you had a dishwasher, maybe you'd actually be able to start cooking and make a proper dinner at home. With over 1 million available units for rent on Apartments.com, the you abilities are endless. Apartments.com lets you narrow down exactly what you want and when you want it. And with their instant alert, you'll never miss out on seeing what could be your new perfect place. Apartments.com has helped millions of renters find their perfect place to live, whether that's an apartment, a townhome, or even a house. And they can help you find exactly what it is that you're looking for. Visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, in August of 2005, Hurricane Katrina hit, and this just so happened to be a couple weeks into the two of them dating. And instead of fleeing the city and getting out before the hurricane hit, they decided that they were going to stay in their apartment or in Addie's apartment and really hunker down and brace through this storm together. Now, as you can imagine, you would become probably extremely close with someone during that time period if that is something that you were doing. If you were just trapped with someone, you would probably get fairly close to them. And that is exactly what happened with Addie and Zach. During the Hurricane Katrina time period and the aftermath of it, Addie and Zach really were inseparable. They bonded a lot during this time period and they were even photographed for national magazines and newspapers after the hurricane and they were interviewed viewed about their choice to stay in the city and tough it out. Now, if you're watching me on YouTube, I'll pop up some of the pictures right here so you can see. And as odd as it sounds, Hurricane Katrina really did bring Addie and Zach together. But along with that, it really took them out of reality. They didn't have a lot of responsibilities. They didn't have to go to work. Everything was shut down and they were spending every waking moment together and they're in the honeymoon phase of their relationship. So everything seems perfect. They would go to abandoned bars and they would steal the alcohol in the abandoned bars and they would make cocktails for their neighbors or people just walking on the street in exchange for different items. However, when things started going back to normal and New Orleans started to open up again, this is where reality hit Zach and Addie a little harder than they expected. Now, what was really difficult for Addie is that she wanted Zach, but she just wanted Zach. She didn't want his ex-wife. She didn't want to deal with the child. Addie didn't want to deal with the life that Zach had prior to her, which included an ex-wife and a child and the history that he had. She just wanted him and that was it. And obviously that was not a possibility because Zach did have a history. He did have a past. He did have a child. And Addie didn't want to partake in any of that responsibility. It wasn't something that she was interested in. And so that, along with a multitude of other things, really, really took a toll on their relationship. And Addie and Zach started getting into a lot of arguments, a lot of fights. And these were not just your typical run-of-the-mill relationship arguments. These were very violent 
violent fights. These fights would sometimes happen when the two of them were sober, and then sometimes would happen when they were under the influence of either drugs or alcohol. And the cycle really went like this. They would fight, it would get violent, it would be explosive, and then they would break up, but then they would find their way back together. Their breakups were never final. Everyone who knew Zach and Addie knew that if they broke up, it probably wasn't for good because they were constantly breaking up and getting back together. However, Zach was getting pretty fed up with the uncertainty of their relationship and with the emotional roller coaster, and he wanted it to end. And so he told his friends that he was planning on breaking up with Addie. And he actually told Addie this. He told Addie that he didn't want to be in a relationship anymore. And this is when Addie pulled out kind of the final straw in their relationship. And she said that the two of them should start fresh. They should get an apartment together instead of just Zach living with Addie. The two of them should finally get their own place together, move in and start fresh and really turn into the next chapter of their relationship. And Zach actually agreed to do this. And so the two of them moved in to their apartment together. And this apartment was located on 826 North Rampart. And the second they saw the apartment, they signed the lease and immediately moved in. And when the two of them moved in, they moved in with both of their names on the lease. So both Zach and Addie's names were both on the leasing agreement. And along with that, Zach also paid two months rent up front. That way they wouldn't have to worry about it when they moved in. Now, to no one's surprise, very soon after the two of them moved in together, and I am talking just a couple days, Addie decided to break up with Zach. And the reason it said that she did this was because she discovered that he was cheating on her. And to her, this was the final straw in the relationship. There was no going back. She came from a destructive relationship before Zach. So cheating to her was a very, very big no-no, as it would be for most people. But for her, it was the final straw. She didn't want to talk about it. She didn't want to try and work it out. She was done. So she ended up going to the landlord and asked the landlord if they could put just her name on the lease and take Zach's name off of the lease. However, the landlord actually said no. He said that he needed her to go back home with Zach and work out their relationship and try and figure it out between the two of them. Now, why the landlord decided to invite himself into their personal life is is beyond me. I don't have an explanation for that. I think that that is very very odd. However, Addie took his advice and said, okay. And that conversation with the landlord happened on October 4th, 2006. And once Addie walked out of the conversation with her landlord, that was the last time that anyone had seen her alive. Okay. We're going to take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. All right, you guys, welcome back. Now, two days later on October 6th, 2006, Addie was nowhere to be seen or heard from. And whenever any friends would ask Zach, where's Addie? Why haven't we seen Addie? He told them that Addie actually left him. He said that the two of them had gotten into a really big fight and she decided to move back to North Carolina and break up with him, essentially. Now, there were very mixed feelings from this news. To hear that Addie moved back to North Carolina for some 
was very, very hard to believe because they knew how much she loved New Orleans. She loved the life that she had created for herself. She loved her lifestyle. So to hear that she was moving back was very, very strange and very abrupt. However, there were also people that knew Addie who said that she was very, very unpredictable. When she put her mind to something, no matter what it was, she was going to get it done. So a lot of people believed that if she wanted to leave Zach and go back to North Carolina, she would have done so, no questions asked, without telling anyone. And along with that, Addie did have a tendency to run away. She ran away from North Carolina. So what was to say that she wasn't going to run away from New Orleans? However, when it came to Zach's behavior on October 6th, 2006, he went into work that day like any other normal day. However, his coworkers remember that he was acting a little strange. They said he was really quiet. He wore his sunglasses on inside the entire day, as well as a hat, which wasn't really a part of uniform. However, a lot of people just chalked it up to him being upset that Addie left him and thought that that was the reason for his bizarre behavior. Now, the days that followed Addie leaving Zach, Zach went absolutely crazy with the partying. He spent thousands of dollars at strip clubs and drinking at different bars and doing drugs and sleeping with prostitutes and people just coughed it up to again. That was the way that he was going to cope with Addie leaving him. However, on October 17th, 2006, Zach went to the Omni Royal Hotel and drank at their rooftop bar until he was blackout drunk. After getting blackout drunk, he then went to the seventh floor of the building and jumped off of the building, ending his his own life. Now, when authorities arrived on the scene and saw Zach's body, they looked in his pockets and in his back pocket, they discovered a handwritten note as well as his army dog tags that were inside of a plastic bag. And along with that, they also discovered the keys to his and Addie's apartment in the front pocket of his pants. Now, the discovery of Zach's body is really when everything changes here. And this is where it gets very gruesome very quickly. Let's start with this handwritten note that police found. Now, first off, this note specifically said to police on it, and I'm going to read an excerpt from it. It said, quote, this is not accidental. I had to take my own life to pay for the one I took. If you send a patrol car to 826 North Rampart, you will find the dismembered corpse of my girlfriend in the oven, on the stove, and in the fridge, along with full documentation of both of us and a full signed confession from myself." End quote. Now, obviously seeing this note, authorities rushed straight away to the apartment and when they walked in, they could not believe what they saw. Now, the first thing that authorities noticed was how cold the apartment was. The apartment was set to 60 degrees and the reason for this was because Zach was trying to preserve Addie's body for as long as possible. On the walls of the apartment, Zach had spray painted the words, I'm a failure, as well as his ex-wife Lana's name and her contact information. That way they could let her know that he had committed suicide. Now, when they got to the stove in the kitchen, they found Addie's remains. They found her head that had been decapitated from her body in a pot that was burning on the stove. Along with that, there was also another pot on the stove that contained Addie's hands and her feet. Now, when police opened the oven, they discovered Addie's arms and her legs that were actually said to have some sort of seasoning on them. And when they opened the fridge, that is when they discovered her torso 
in the fridge. Now next to the two pots on the stove, there were actually cut up potatoes and carrots, possibly insinuating that this was going to be some sort of cannibalistic act. However, police are not sure if that was actually the case, if he actually was planning on eating the dismembered body parts. However, from the looks of it, it does look like that's where this was headed. Now they also went on to find a journal that Zach had been writing in, and in this journal, it was his confession. And I'm going to read it to you again. It says, quote, Today is the 16th of October at 2 a.m. I killed her at 1 a.m. on Thursday, October 5th. I very calmly strangled her. It was very quick. Halfway through the task, I stopped and thought about what I was doing. The decision to halt the first idea and move to plan B, which is the crime scene you are now in, came after a while. I scared myself, not by the action of calmly strangling the woman I've loved for one and a half years and then discreeting her body, but my entire lack of remorse. I've known for forever how horrible a person I am. Ask anyone. And I decided to quit my jobs and spend the $1,500 cash I had being happy until I killed myself. So that's what I did. Good food, good drugs, good strippers, good friends, and any loose ends I may have had. I didn't contact any of my family, so that'll explain the shock, and had a fantastic time living out my days. It's just about time now. End quote. Now, as you can tell, the police were in shock that they got this confession from him and that he wrote all of this. And along with all of this, when Zach's body underwent an autopsy, the medical examiner noticed that there were bruises on Zach's body that did not correlate with any bruises that he could have gotten from the fall. And it was actually concluded because there were 28 bruises and Zach was 28 years old at the time. Zach self-inflicted these bruises on himself to indicate the 28 years that he perceived himself as a failure. Now, along with everything I just read to you in the journal, Zach also admitted that after he had strangled Addie, he fell asleep next to her corpse after committing acts of necrophilia several times. And when he woke up the next morning, he went to work like everything was normal leaving Addie's body to decompose in the apartment. And it wasn't until days later that Zach decided to dismember her body. So her corpse was just sitting in the apartment for days until Zach decided what he wanted to do with it. Now, if you have heard of this case before, we're gonna kind of step away from everything that I just told you. If you have heard of this case before, you more than likely have heard of the possible significance of the crime scene and where this horrific, horrific act occurred. Now, whether you believe this or not, this is strictly up to you. This is just a piece of the case that has been mentioned in literally every source that I have searched. And I think it is important to talk about whether or not you believe it. Now, the apartment, like I said, was located at 826 North Rampart. And that specific address is located above the Priestess Miriam Voodoo Spiritual Temple. This is a well-respected cultural establishment in New Orleans. However, many have connected this murder with having something to do with the location of the apartment meaning that there has to be some connection with the voodoo temple 
and this murder having some sort of connection. Now, the apartment itself is actually a tourist attraction now, and you can go visit it when you go on the ghost tours in New Orleans. Now, a lot of people connect voodoo and all of those things to being linked to darkness. However, a lot of people say that that is not true. It has nothing to do with darkness, and in fact, it's more of a healing and spiritual practice. Now, personally, I don't really know enough about voodoo or any of that to comment on what it means or what it stands for or how this could possibly connect to Addie's murder. However, what I can say is I truthfully believe that Addie's murder had absolutely nothing to do with where their apartment was located. There is nothing supernatural about Addie's murder. Now, something that I also want to point out, just because I feel like it's an interesting twist into this case, is that one of Zach and Addie's closest friends also went on to become a murderer. Now, it's never been proven to have any connection with Addie's murder. This woman has never been connected to Addie's death. However, she knew Addie and Zach very, very well, and there are people who speculate whether or not Zach carried this out on his own. Margaret Sanchez was a close friend of Addie and Zach's, and when Addie was murdered, Margaret said that she was in complete shock because Zach seemed to be so nice. However, in 2012, so six years after Addie's murder, Margaret and her boyfriend were convicted in the death and dismemberment of a woman named Jaren Lockhart. Jaren was a dancer at a club, and Margaret and her boyfriend convinced Jaren to come home with them for a quote-unquote private performance. Now, this private performance ultimately ended up with Jaren being stabbed in the chest and then her body completely dismembered before it was thrown over a bridge and into the river. Now, both Margaret and her boyfriend were arrested six days after the murder at a traffic stop. And again, while there is no connection with Margaret and Addie, meaning there's no evidence to connect Margaret to Addie's murder, it is a strange coincidence. So that is the case of Addie Hall and Zach Bowen. It is unfortunate that Zach will never be able to be brought to justice for the horrific, horrific crimes that he committed against Addie. However, he is no longer walking on this earth. So that is the, I guess, good news out of this. That is Addie's justice, even though it doesn't really feel like it. Now, like I said, there are tours happening in New Orleans. They're the ghost tours, I believe that they're called, and you can go see the apartment. You can go see where this all occurred. I do believe they have renovated parts of it. However, they still have some of the original pieces in the apartment and saying that feels so weird and there are a lot of people who have mixed reviews on whether or not this should be a tourist attraction because this only happened in 2006. It wasn't like this happened in 1924 and they have this, you know, great tourist attraction. This wasn't that long ago and this was such a horrific, gruesome crime. Now, personally, I do believe that Zach's PTSD does have and play a part as to why he did what he did. However, I don't think that this can be solely blamed on PTSD. However, I do want to say I don't know well enough and I'm not fully educated enough to make that as an official claim. However, I just am unsure as to whether or not PTSD would have this much of an effect 
on Zach because as it seems just from his childhood and childhood history, it seems like he has struggled in the past with depression and not feeling good enough and being a people pleaser. And him and Addie's relationship has always been explosive up until this point. So I am really interested to hear what you guys have to say about this one. But that is going to be all for me today, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah. I'm your host of Killer Instinct. You can go ahead and follow us on Instagram at Killer Instinct Podcast, as well as email me at killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com for any case requests, suggestions, comments, theories, things like that. Also go ahead and make sure you hit the subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. We post weekly here every single Wednesday and you're not going to want to miss it. I'll be back next week with a brand new case for you guys. And until then, stay safe. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.